Leading Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. It is. Crikey, I'd forgotten it was Mystery Hour. Five, thank God for the jingles. Five minutes after 12 is the time. I'll just take a moment to thank Beth and Axel who work on this programme. A little reminder there in the news bulletin that for reasons that currently elude me, I've managed to increase the size of this radio programme by 25% in the last year. But you see what I did there? I said I've managed to. Um, uh, Beth... Woodbridge and Axel Cacutier are very important parts of this team and any success that this programme enjoys. Um, right, that's enough of that. Back in your boxes. Let's get Mystery Hour up and running. This is your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction that is not ordinarily available anywhere else on your radio dial. You, you know what it is. You also know that because I forgot it was coming up... I haven't given it a plug or a mention or a steer, which means you've got a better chance of getting through to the studio now than you will have had for several years at six minutes after 12 on a Thursday afternoon. If you hear somebody else ask a question, then, well, and you know the answer to it, you are duty-bound to ring in. If you don't, I shall bar you from listening to the programme for six months. I can afford to do that sort of thing now. Seven minutes after 12 is the time. Hit the numbers now. It's a who, a why, a where, a when, a whither, a whence, even the occasional wherefore. The, the, the point is this. You have bubbling away somewhere in the back of your brain a question that you know must have an answer. It's possible you could have found an answer if you spent a couple of hours on the internet or um, you happened to count a rocket scientist among your circle of closest friends but the point about mystery when it began it began for two reasons the first reason is a little bit dull the first reason was that it was a it was an election day and you're not allowed to talk about elections on election days as you can remember from the council elections a couple of weeks ago so you need to come up with stuff that's almost immune to the news so we just came up with this as a game as a bit of fun and it proved so popular that we brought it back on non-election thursdays um And then it just proved so popular that we kept it. And that is why Mystery Hour A exists and B happens on Thursdays, despite having a rather weekendy feel to it and and leading to many questions over the years of why we don't do it on a Friday. The second reason it exists, and this really is um, quite close to my heart, is is knowledge. I'm not a reactionary, as you know. I, 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 you know, I, I wear my age quite prominently on my sleeve and I'm aware of the dangers of slipping into sort of atrophy, slipping into not thinking about things. I'm 46 now. I've got an opinion. I don't care if the facts change. I'm sticking to my opinion, whatever happens. I'm very conscious of that. But I do think that knowing stuff is important, even if you can find it at your fingertips in a way that we couldn't when we were young. So I I think it's right that children take calculators into their maths exams, for example, because it's stupid to pretend that they still live in a world where you can't get a solution to even a really complicated sum in a matter of moments. But actual knowledge, it seems to me, actual knowledge is something we should be proud of. And I was of this view long before people like Michael Gove attempted to undermine the importance of experts and expertise, long before Brexit and and, and Donald Trump saw uh, uh, the weaponization of ignorance, a celebration of ignorance. I don't know anything, but I know what I know. You can prove anything with facts. So, Mr. although it is fun, it does, in my heart at least, play quite a serious role. So, what have you got by way of a question? 03456060973 is the number that you need. You can email and text and tweet, but generally speaking, if I, if I can't see the whites of your eyes, if I can't hear your voice, um, this is the one hour of the week when you're not really part, part, you're not really in the game. Nine minutes after 12. Should we crack on? I think we shall. Mike is in Marlow. Mike, question or answer? Yeah, good morning, James. Hello, Michael. Uh, I just wondered what the odd door was. 
Downing Street. You've got number 10 and number 11, and there's an odd door that shows up occasionally when the camera pans round. Are you 100% sure? Yes, absolutely, 100% sure. I can't believe nobody else has come up with this question before now. Well, nor can I. That's why I'm making sure you're 100% sure. You, you, you... I am 100% sure there's an odd door next to it. I don't know whether it's 10A or 11A. I, I'm looking for some pictures. I, I mean, I can, oh, there we go. There's yeah. 10. I can't say. Right, I believe you. I'm just, I'm just seeing if it's got a number on it. No, it hasn't. So you've got 10 it's and 11, and then you've got a door in between. An odd one in the middle, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You're on. I know, I know it was built as originally as housing. Yeah. That's I know, but yeah. I want to know what's behind the door. And what, why what why do they... That door? Yeah. Is, is 11 to the right of 10, uh, or is it to no, the... No, it's to the left, I believe. What if you're wrong? Well, how can I be wrong? Well, that's what I often wonder every morning at 10am, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> how can I possibly be wrong? That's it, mate. That's the spirit. That's the motto <laughs> of the show. The secret well, motto. Years of indoctrination. It's finally worked. Sir. <laughs> Osmosis. How can I possibly be wrong? Dot com. I shall find out for you, but with that slight caveat that I'm trying to desperately try to find pictures and I can't see the thing, but you, you, you're a stand-up guy. You so. very often get it on TV. You know, when, when the camera's yeah. Well, Theo Usherwood should know, so if we haven't got an answer by, by one o'clock, I'll go and wake up Theo, shall I? All right. Well, if you don't get an answer, I'll give you, to quote you, I'll give you the money myself. <laughs> it's 12 11, it's the time, thank you. From Mike to Jake in Canary Wharf. Jake, question or answer? Question, please, James. Carry on. My question is you know, if humans go really deep under the sea, they'll get crushed by the pressure. Yeah. Why is it that? deep-sea creatures don't get crushed by the same pressure. Well, because they're made of different stuff. Well, yeah, but is it is it the fact that we've got air inside? What, you know, what stuff? It's, it's, it, I think you just nailed it, didn't you? It's because we're full of air. I'm talking absolute gibberish, mate. I'm not yeah, even going to pretend. I, I, yeah. What? Well, How can I possibly be wrong? How can I possibly be wrong, to quote Mike? <laughs> so why don't, why don't sea creatures get crushed by sea pressure? The, the answer will be their an- anatomy, but you want a slightly more intelligent well, yeah, answer than that. Them, yeah. yeah, of course you do, mate. And frankly, who can, <laughs> frankly, who can blame you? Why, why do humans get crushed by water pressure, but but sea creatures don't? I like that. Yeah, Jake, nice one. 12-12 is the time. 0345 Someone's trolling me now. Helen in Broxbourne. Question or answer? It's a question, please. Mm, carry on, Helen. <laughs> so... Um, when I was younger, I used to get a thick ear if I ever said hate. Now, I want to know if Did there's a correct way of saying hate or H, because my son, who's seven, has started saying hate, and I keep saying it's not hate, it's eight. I've even spoken to his headmaster, and I said, what do you teach in school? Do you teach hate or H? Yes. And he said, well... It depends where you come from. I'm from up north, and I say hate, but you don't, so you might say hate. And I want to know if there's a right or a wrong, so I can go and slap it on his desk and say, no, there is a right way, and it's this. Did you, I don't know what that is. Well, before you got put through, did you speak to a male or a female colleague of mine? A female. Ah, interesting. Do you know what I said to that female colleague approximately three and th- three hours and 13 minutes ago? Did you say it's not hate, it's eight? I certainly did, Ellen. <laughs> See? Because it's spelled H. The letter H, is it begins with an A. 
It, it is A I T C H. A I T C H. H is an abomination. Because the world is full of ignoramuses. Just look at Brexit. Oh, H. Oh, it's disgusting. It's H H all day long. H H H H H. I need to find a way. To, I'm not very technically minded, but I need to find a way to play this back to my son's headmaster. Okay, well I'll add some more. H H H H H. Look it up in a dictionary, headmaster. It begins with A. Yeah. And that's the way you can prove it to him, I suspect. You can you can just take him in a dictionary. I mean, you'd hope he'd have his own, actually. <laughs> so do, you now, do you now get the round of applause? Uh, ask me what my qualifications are. <laughs> What's your qualifications? Genius. Perfect. Oh, hang on. Where's the applause? Axel, just because I gave you a big compliment on the programme, there's no need to go all rebellious. <laughs> Give me my round of applause. <laughs> I'm right. It's true. I've just looked it up. It's in the dictionary. Thank you. Helen, what's your boy's name? Joe. Well, give Joe my best and tell him to stop saying H, all right? Exactly that. All right. Thank you very much. Take care, Helen. Thank you very much indeed. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Mystery Hour continues with um, the weekly invitation to uh, really extend your knowledge. Uh, there is a door. I've, I've seen it. And you'll never guess. Uh, uh, one of my regular Twitter correspondents who happens to also be a, a published author, his surname is H, Ian H. Ian H. He's just been in touch. I think this counts as going definitive. Um, it's definitely H, not H. It's his name. I'm glad we cleared that one up. Um, there is a door in between numbers 10 and 11 Downing Street. Looking at this photograph, I would suggest that it's never used. It appears to be behind the railings. George Downing, I think, was the name of the fellow that, that built Downing Street. He ca- I think he may have come to a slightly sticky end. But I suppose... It's possible that what is 10 and 11 now wasn't 10 and 11 then, or that it's a form of tradesman. I don't know. I want to know what it is. There's a door that Mike needs to know down in Marlowe. There's a door between 10 and 11 Downing Street. What's that all about? And how come, if I went swimming to the, to the depths, the lower depths of the oceans, my body would be crushed like a tin can under the heel of a very large person, but a whale would be fine? So how come sea creatures are not crushed by water pressure in the way that we would be is that it i think we've got that covered 20 minutes after 12 is the time robert is in croydon robert question or answer hi james i've got a question for you carry on robert um right why do uh, do pigs get sunburned <laughs> so like they yes. are and they cover themselves in mud yes right? that's why they cover them. yes that. yes but what happens if they're in a field that has no mud they get sunburned do they yeah you know what I want? I want a farmer to ring up and well, say he puts Factor 50 on his pigs. He wouldn't put Factor 50 on his pigs, would he? Do they get sunburnt then? They'll just get covered in mud. Why would they Why would they go out and buy Factor 50 instead of just getting a hose pipe and making the field muddy? Well, it depends. It might be cheaper. Do you know what dippity pig syndrome is? I don't know. Do they, do, do they, I know they roll in mud to cool themselves down, but I've seen quite a few pigs in dry fields. That's a good point. Was it a hot day? Yeah. Were you concerned for them? Uh, As a vegetarian, yes. Would you, as a vegetarian, take it upon yourself to go and stand over a pig on a hot day to shade it? No, I didn't. Well, that's just cruel. No, it is. So you're you're happy to let the pig suffer, and then at the end of his life, at the end of his life, at the end of his life, you won't even afford him the pleasure of knowing that he's contributed to some (laughs) delicious sausages. 
<laughs> I shall find out. You want a proper answer from a proper pig I farmer? I want a proper answer from a proper pig farmer. It's all going a bit Gilbert and Sullivan. Uh, Robert, leave it with me. Cole is in Manchester. Cole, question or answer? Question, please, James. Carry on, mate. Um, so, how deep is desert? How deep is your love? You, um, you've, you, your question has been spelt incorrectly by whoever put you through to the studio. Did they put dessert? How deep is a dessert, it says here. So I was thinking, what are we talking? A creme brulee, a tiramisu, or a trifle? Imagine a tiered, like, cake. That would be... It would be yeah. very deep. Like a gateau. What yeah, is the deepest be. dessert? What would be the deepest dessert? It would be a large... be an ice cream sundae, wouldn't it, in a big cup? Yeah, probably. But that's not what you're asking. Correct. So when you say how deep is a desert, you mean how far... What, what's underneath the sand? Yeah, I mean, I, I assume all deserts aren't the same depth. No, well, that's why I'm finding your question quite confusing. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just mean, so how, you know, are we talking 200 metres of sand? Or are we talking 5 metres of sand? It's a, a rough average. And what would be underneath it? Hard rock, I presume. I guess. I yeah, don't know. Nor do I. But quicksand is what happens when there's nothing on it. I mean, when it's really, really deep, isn't it? Do you remember quicksand from the Westerns when we were kids? Well, I always thought that was going to be a, you know, a big obstacle in life, is to avoid quicksand. Very wise. Yeah. Not, not much of it in Manchester. Which part of Manchester are you in? Uh, well, I work at the university, so I'm... Uh, no, it's no quicksand around there. Just out of town. Oh, that's fine. Fine. Well, I shall... I'll put that on the list, and then we want a sort of average, with the knowledge that when it's way, way, way below, when it's much deeper than average, that's when quicksand occurs. Yes. You're on. I like it. To be honest, if you're working at Manchester University, why are you ringing me with this question instead of knocking on the door of some professor? Because I work in biology and I don't think any of them would know. Oh, fair enough. 23 minutes after 12 is the time. Wayne is in Basildon. Are you back from your holidays? No, mate, I'm still here. So you're phoning me from Tenerife? Yes, exactly. I'm just back to the room because uh, I've got a question about... Oh, hang on a minute. What about Kerry? She can't be very pleased. She probably needs uh, she needs some cream on her back or something like that, and you've come running back to the hotel room to ring Mystery Hour in the middle of your, of your holly bobs. Right, mate. Her, her mum and dad are watching Sienna. She's yeah. got a, a gossip magazine. All right. Everything is fine. Okay. All right, Carol, just checking, you know, cause someone's got to, Wayne. You know what you like if, you, if you're left unsupervised. Question or answer? Oh, it's a question, mate. Go on, man. Uh, and it's holiday-related because yes. every time I come away, I get an ear infection and I am get told it's because of the chlorine in the pool. Yes. And the chlorine is a cleaner... So if I'm swimming in effectively pool soap, you why am I getting an infection? I, I also suffer from ear infections on holiday quite often, and, and it is always a result of swimming. And so I, I actually, for once, I quite like your question. Did you not? You can Two buy stuff, once. Wayne. You can buy stuff, mate. You can buy. Why don't you? But you can buy a spray to stick in your ear, or you can buy little plugs. Yeah, that costs money, mate. You know, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you're going to have to pay for antibiotics. <laughs> no, not NHS. Love it. And when you get back NHS, you can't get it out there without your European health insurance. You should get all the medicine you can. You won't be able to get any in a year. Wayne, I shall fight. Why does Wayne and indeed a few other fellow humans get ear infections in swimming pools which are chlorinated? I quite like that. Yeah, you're on. All right. Mind how you go. Are you all right? You, 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 you keeping well? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. I know you're getting a bit cross. You're getting cross with some of the elderly customers in the queue for the buffet the other night, Wayne, I hear. 
Yeah, mate, it's, it's like human traffic. It's ridiculous. You've got to watch that. You've got to watch that. They've been around longer than you. Bit of respect for your elders. Go a long, long way. All right? Let them go in front of you in the buffet. You're a big lad. You don't need the food as much as they do. They've got to keep their strength up. I'm trying to feed my daughter. Oh, all right, then. Carry on. Back to the pool for Wayne. Malcolm is in Kendall in Cumbria. Malcolm, question or answer? Uh, good, good afternoon, James. It's uh, an answer. Carry on, Malcolm. It's regarding the pigs and oh. the sunburn. Are you a farmer? I'm not, but my sister owns a zoo. <laughs> God, I love my job. <laughs> Are you a farmer? I'm not, but my sister owns a zoo. That will do. Carry on. Yes, they do get sunburn. <laughs> um, in the past, she has been known to put sun cream on them to avoid them getting sunburned and she's even been in the national press for it i um i i mean i have to point out that it doesn't sound like a very good zoo well it is a good zoo because they're open it's open air i mean pigs are out in the open yeah but it, I, I mean i can see pigs on a farm if i go to a zoo i want to see at least a hippopotamus well it's, it's more a friendly fa- family farm rather than a big uh, oh of- like a petting type zoo yeah yeah that's right how many pigs does she have in her zoo uh the last time she had two uh two vietnamese uh, pigs vietnamese pot-bellied pigs yeah that's right and she has applied suntan lotion she to said indeed, pigs yeah. to avoid dippity pig syndrome or sunburn yeah, that's right. well the other problem is if they leave them out in the sun too long it all turns to crackling you see i've, I've, I've resisted that malcolm i've resisted i was taking this inquiry seriously <laughs> Seriously, scratchings, all sorts. Um, yeah. What is the name of your sister's zoo? Because we're it's up in Exmoor Cumbria. Zoo the, in, uh, Devon, it's, wa- Devon. it's called what? Exmoor Zoo. Exmoor Zoo. I think I might have been there actually. It's a small family zoo. It um, is, it's and it's lovely. Yes, I have been to Exmoor Zoo. We know it well. It's glorious. Oh, I could have got a discount if I'd known. If, if I could have said I know Malcolm. Yeah, that's right. I could have got. I, mean, well, I don't know. Might even have bumped up the price. Free coffee. Yeah, she probably would have doubled it. <laughs> Round of applause for Malcolm. Qualifications, my sister owns a zoo. 27 minutes after 12. John's in Reading. John, question or answer? Uh, question, please. It's a question about the movie Home Alone. Yeah. Right, so you, if you watch the scene where Michael Colton is uh, in the kitchen and he's eating the pizza and there's a movie playing in the background yeah. with the bloke shooting the other bloke. Uh, you dirty rat. Yeah, I say, keep the change, you filthy animal. I've never, I've got years trying to find that exact movie because I really want to watch it. Is it Jimmy Cagney? Is it not Jimmy Cagney? No, I don't know. I've, I've looked up and I can't find the existence of this movie. And it's the movie playing in the movie, which I want to know about. Oh, this is a lovely question. This is a lovely question. Um, let's find out. I, I, I like it. So I, I'm pretty sure it's Jimmy Cagney, mate. I've got to tell you, which means it would be a real film, which means we should be able to find it. Yeah, so it's the first one. So it's like, uh, I'll give you the cow attendee, ugly yellow, no could keep that, off my property. That's it. Yeah, that is definitely Jimmy Cagney. So that means it is definitely a film, which means that somebody listening to this will know what film it is. You're on, all right? All right, cheers, mate. Carry on, John. So what is the film that Macaulay Culkin uses to frighten Joe Pesky and... Oh, come on, trivia fans. Daniel. What's the name of the other robber in Home Alone? Daniel. Daniel. Anyway, Macaulay Culkin is a kid who is Home Alone, which is probably why they called the film Home Alone. And there are some bad men outside his house who he is seeking to scare away. But obviously, being a small child, he struggles to scare them away until he hits upon the wizard wheeze of using the video remote control to play out some of the audio from a film. And that audio includes, as John just reminded us quite perfectly, the, um, 
uh, the, the phrase, keep the change, you filthy animal. It's the Jimmy Cagney. Said, keep the change, you filthy animal. Um, and that must be a real film, because I'm pretty sure it was a real actor. If you know which film it was, 03456060973. Why do we get ear infections in chlorinated swimming pools? How deep is the desert? Why don't sea creatures get crushed by sea pressure? And what is that door in between numbers 10 and 11 Downing Street? You are listening to... Actually, I'll squeeze in one more question. Charlie's in Nottingham. Charlie, question or answer? Hello, James. I've got a question for you, please. Go on, then. Um, why is it more difficult to open a freezer door the second time round? So if you look at something in the freezer, shut the door and go, oh, I forgot something I could do with something else, <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost impossible to open it again. It's very time. true. It's very true. Is it something to do with the amount of air in the... S- no, I'm not even going to get there. I love the way I love the way you explained it to us. Yeah, but I don't know why. You painted a beautiful picture for us there, in case anyone didn't know what you meant when you said, "Why is it harder?" I love the idea again. You put something in, you thought, "Oh, I forgot to get the chips out. I've only got the fish fingers. I've got to go back in." Oh no, the door is stuck solid. Yeah, I just wondered why. I've often wondered why. Well, we shall find out by one o'clock today, or I shall give you the money myself, Charlie. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. I'm getting some real action on um, texts and tweets, but I, 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 this is part of the problem, I suppose, with so many people discovering the programme in the last 12 months. Um, I never read out texts and tweets, not even from Brexit experts, like, um, like the Emperor's New Clothes Twitter account, Steve Analyst, who is one of the best Brexit commentators you could possibly find. I, I can't. I can't read them out. I'm not allowed to. So everyone else who's been in touch to say I may have dropped a bit of a clangor with regard to that Home Alone observation, I suspect you're all right but someone has to ring in with the right answer. And, and that's the only way... I tend not to take texts and tweets. I'll make an exception for breaking news. Just hearing that... Well, two things, actually. Alexander Nix of Cambridge Analytica has accepted a formal summons issued by the Department of Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee. He will appear in a public section on the committee of the committee on Wednesday the 6th of June. Damien Collins, I have to tell you, is covering himself in glory on this um the select committee seem to be where government is being properly done and or scrutinized the select committees in the house of lords making up for the fact that the house of commons is currently paralyzed by by fear of offending the daily mail it would seem sometimes um and similarly dominic cummings who was the campaign chief of the official leave campaign vote leave is to be reported to the house by that select committee for contempt of parliament um, he, of course, was in receipt, or that campaign was in receipt of taxpayers' money. That campaign was headed by Boris Johnson and Michael Gove, both now cabinet ministers. Um, and Dominic Cummings, who has not responded to requests for him to appear, and you know what right wingers always say nothing to hide, nothing to fear, dudes. Um, he is being reported to the uh, House for contempt of parliament. Hey, blue passports, though. 12.36 is the time. Mark is in Preston. Mark, question or answer? Hey, James, it is an answer. There's a lot of Northwest flavours on the programme today. We're hopping around that part of the country with uncommon glee. What is your answer? My answer is about the Home Alone question. Bring it on. The movie does not exist. But I thought it was Jimmy Cagney, man. It's a parody of Jimmy Cagney. The original movie is Angels with Dirty Faces. That's it. And in Home Alone, it is called Angels with Filthy Souls. And they made a parody of it just for Home Alone. Strong, strong play. What are your qualifications? They made a number two as well. In Home Alone 2, they do Angels with Filthy Souls 2, and that's also a parody. You really do know your stuff. I do. How come? I've seen that movie a lot. What are, what are your qualifications? Just love Home Alone. 
Yeah, so I'm a, uh, I'm a comedian and a magician. I travel around a lot. I basically go to the cinema nearly every single day. And uh, when I'm not at the cinema after shows, I go back and I sit by myself and I watch a movie. And I've seen Home Alone about a billion times. I love it. I love it. Are you playing tonight? Are you performing tonight? I'm not. I'm having a night off tonight with my wife and son. And we will undoubtedly watch a movie. Maybe even Home Alone. Oh, maybe even Home Alone. Uh, when's your next gig? When's your next performance? Uh, tomorrow night. Whereabouts? Uh, tomorrow I will be down in uh, South Wales so, for uh, a big uh, holiday park company. So, uh, I mean, any tickets available, or are you you get you get sorted either way because you're performing to a captive audience? They just booked me, but I do have a ticketed show that people can come to in Blackpool. Yeah, go Am on. I allowed to plug? Of course you are, mate. Yeah, we're all I'll friends. We're my, all f- my, my website is markjamesmagician.com. That's markjamesmagician.com. And uh, all of my dates are listed there, and I have a show twice a week in Blackpool uh, called Sideshow Tricks, which Good. is about comedy magic and sideshow performers. Good man. And uh, there you go. You see, people don't ask for a plug. They will often end up getting one. Round of applause for markjamesmagician.com. Thanks, James. Thank you, Mark. 1238. I say, yeah, I can't believe that. Actually, of course it was. I mean, the quotes were so bang on the money. What was it? What's the best one? What's the famous quote? I've forgotten now. Uh, Harry is in Swindon. Harry, question or answer? Uh, it is an answer to Wayne's question. Right, uh, yeah, all right. Don't big him up too much. Just the bloke who asked about ear infections, all right? I don't want him getting his cameo role exaggerated and inflated. So what is the answer? Why do we get ear infections in chlorinated swimming pools? Okay, so the chlorine swimming pools is to keep the swimming pool clean and keep the water clean itself. Um, but any of the dirt associated with people that haven't showered before they get in the pool um, then react to the chlorine and sits above um, the layer of water on the pool, mm. which also incidentally gives um, people the stinging eye sensation rather than actually the chlorine itself. Is that right? So it's dirt on the surface of the water above the chlorine that causes infections and, and unpleasantnesses. Yes, and that's where it's, um, it's the, the filter systems in the swimming pool can only do so much. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, some of it does uh, stagnate around at the top of it. So, and that's and where it comes. Uh, and and why are some people why some people are more susceptible than others? Do we know? Um, not sure about the susceptibleness of it. I think it's just probably down to the unfortunateness of some of those bugs or infections being around in the pool still and not being picked up or cleaned. Mm. Um, what are your qualifications? How do you know this? I'm a former lifeguard and was pool plant trained. That'll do. Pool plant trained. Can't say further than that. Well played, Harry. Uh, Ed is in Plymouth. Ed, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on, Ed. Uh, why can't you make gravy with cold water? Why would you want to? Well, no, but I, I know you wouldn't want to, but you can't. I did this the other day where I hadn't realised I hadn't boiled the kettle... And, like, all the granules just didn't do anything and just sat in the cold water. It's got fat in it, hasn't it? Um, what about vegetarian gravy? Uh, it could still have fat in it. It could have sunflower oil in it or something like that, but in a granulated form which needs heat to melt, and then and then it can be incorporated into the gravy, which would also explain why gravy congeals as it gets colder. God, I'm on fire uh, today. Qualifications? Mm, I drink a lot of gravy. All right, you're not going to take that, even though it's almost certainly correct. I will concede the round of applause to you if it is correct. All right, and I shall leave it hanging in the meantime. Um, you just chucked it out, did you, that when you when you put cold water in with the gravy? Yeah, I just poured it out and then boiled the kettle and did it again, and it worked. What were you having with it? What were you... What were you... Uh, it was a roast dinner. What was it? Was it on Sunday? Uh, no, it was on Saturday. What? You heathen. <laughs> you had a roast dinner on a Saturday? Best time to have one. Interesting. 
Let's find out for Ed why he can't make gravy with cold water. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Uh the door at Downing Street. Come on! Why don't sea creatures get crushed to death? Uh, why can't you make gravy with cold water? How deep is a desert? We've done that one. We've done that one. And the freezer door. When you open a freezer and you take out the chips and you close the door and remember you forgot the fish fingers and you try to open it again, it is considerably harder than it was before. We would like to know why. Uh, Bob's in Forest Row in Sussex. Bob, question or answer? Oh, lovely to speak to you. Likewise, um, Bob. The question is, why do basins and baths and other things from bidets have an overflow hole in them, which is completely inadequate. Uh, for example, if you're on a boat, you have to have enough lifeboats to save all the passengers. But these are designed in such a way that if you leave it running, the overflow is completely inadequate. And this happened just the other day. My wife pulled up the plug with a lever at the back, which yes. didn't work, and she left it running to run more, came downstairs. And uh, believe it or not, it did six thousand pounds worth of damage. Oh, Bob, no! <laughs> yeah, the ceiling came down. Oh, new carpet. Are you, are you, were the insurance good for it? They were marvellous, absolutely oh, wonderful. Thank the they Lord, Bob. I thought you were going to ruin my day for a minute. Then, thank God, the insurance came through. They were, they were marvellous. They didn't even come and have a look. They took my word on the phone. Well, why wouldn't they? You're clearly a stand-up gent. <laughs> How, how, Bob, I need to ask you a question. How involved are you going to be in selecting the replacement carpets and upholstery? Oh, it's all been done. <laughs> it's all been done, and it's beautifully done. We've got a brand new carpet, oh. a brand new ceilings, and then the man who did the ceiling was a lovely man. <laughs> so, well, there you go, every cloud. That's quite. That's actually more silver lining than cloud, this question, yeah, isn't it? It was, it was really good, actually. The, yeah. the answer to your question, and, and you don't have to take my answer, you can wait for a plumber, is, is oddly contained within the question itself, because if it was more efficient, mm. then... You, you, you would run the risk of, of taps being left on in perpetuity. Oh. So it has to, what it does is put in a kind of cushion so that it will not overflow as quickly as it would with no overflow. But if it was never going to overflow ever, which is kind of what you're alluding to, it's what you're hinting at, then there would be taps potentially up and down the land that were wasting water indefinitely forever. So they really don't need to put an overflow hole in at all. Well, theoretically, if your wife had realised, if she'd if she'd if she'd operated the plumbing apparatus correctly, but yes. got a bit distracted, for example, yeah. then she yeah. might have been saved by the overflow. Because she'd, oh my lord, I've left the bath on upstairs, and she dashes upstairs and gets there just in time. So say the overflow gave her a five-minute window of grace. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. Do yeah. you see? Yes, Whereas yes. if it was more efficient, it could perhaps give her a ten-minute window of grace, but any more efficient than that, and the bath would never overflow, and the taps would never stop emitting water. Oh, wonderful. Thank wonderful. you, Bob. That's a very good answer. Incidentally, yes. um, my name Bob Wills. I used to make... I'm retired now. I'm 95. Good grief. And I, I got well-known in the model railway field for the Wills Finecast model loco kits and also the Wills Finecast Phoenix series. Fantastic. So if people look on the web... They can find all about me. Oh, Bob. I'm going to give you my round of applause, if I may. <laughs> there we are, Bob. Bob Wills, model railway legend. What a lovely man. Thank you, Bob. I'm glad that that got sorted. I, I have to say, sometimes I, I feel my... I said £6,000 worth of damage, and I thought, oh, no. But the insurers often do come through fairly quickly. It's, um, it's, it's worth bearing that in mind. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. 
Need some answers. Downing Street, what's the door in between 10 and 11? Sea creatures, why don't they get tr- crushed by water pressure in the way that humans do? Why can't you make gravy with cold water? And how deep is the desert? Um, also, why does the freezer door... Why is the freezer door so hard to open moments after you've just closed it? I know that now. It's come back to me. Um, still room for Stuart's inquiries on any of the other answers that I've provided, but we've got one or two more questions on as well. Dennis is in Eltham. Dennis, question or answer? Uh, hi, James, is a question. Carry on, Dennis. OK, good answer. Where does the term dole office come from? So when people say, oh, I'm on the dole, I can't get where that comes from. Stumped you as well. No, it hasn't. Like, is it the Department of Labour and Employment? Doesn't make the uh, dole, though, does it? The acronym dole up. Department of Labour and oh, Employment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll go away, shall I? No, I don't know if that's right. I think that's why I paused and you thought you'd stumped me, because I was just trying to remember whether or not there was an acronym. It does sound right, though, doesn't it? It does now, yeah, but, I mean, how? when was... Uh, is it still called? Is it called... Uh, has it always been called that, or is it American? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just an oldie, and I remember people always saying, oh, he's, he's, she's on the dole. He's no, I remember it as well. I was on the dole myself, that. very briefly in the early 1990s. <laughs> but the, um, okay. but the, but, but, but I, I wondered if it was linked to dollar, 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 dollar. Right, I'll leave it on the board, mate. You're a good man. I do my best, Dennis. Mind how you go. 12.50 is the time. Where, where, what's the origin of the word dole in the context, context of unemployment benefit? Then we've got freezer doors, gravy, deserts, sea creatures and Downing Street. Toby's in Fulham. Toby, question or answer? It's an answer, please, James. Carry on, Toby. Uh, the sea creatures, they are predominantly made of liquid, so liquids are incompressible at those pressures, whereas human beings, we have our lungs, we breathe air, and it's the uh, air cavities that get compressed. Qualifications? I'm a uh, paddy dive master, so you learn it when you learn how to scuba dive. Fair enough. And, and so, a big, even a big whale is almost entirely liquid. Predominantly liquid, yeah. I mean, obviously they've they've got a, a massive. You look at the skeletons. If you yeah. go to the uh, Natural History Museum, they've got a very strong skeleton as well because they have course. larger. They're air breathing, so they have larger. Uh, yeah, whale's not a great example, is it? No. So, so like jellyfish would be the best example. Jellyfish or, or tuna or something like that. Yeah. Nice work. Round of applause for Toby. Thank you very much. Very good indeed. 12.51 is the time. Alan is in Lark Hall. Alan, question or answer? Hi, James. It's an answer to the uh, desert question. Excellent. So the deepest desert on Earth is actually Antarctica. Hey. So Antar- deserts are not defined by the characteristic of their sediment. It's actually defined by the amount of precipitation. So in order for this desert to be called a desert, it has to have less than 250 millimetres of rain annually. And currently Antarctica has approximately 200 millimetres of rain annually. God, mate, that is going to win some prizes in the pub, isn't it? The the largest (laughs) desert on the planet is Antarctica. Yeah, 2.16, roughly 2.1 kilometres deep. That's the ice. Sweet. Now, you know and I know that's not really an answer to the question that was asked. No, but it is still the deepest. <laughs> no, it is, it is, but do we have any idea what the average sandy desert is in terms of depth? Right, so sandy deserts would be difficult to measure because yeah. they are constantly shifting, because aeolian environments oh, um, are always... Um, Brainiac alert. <laughs> moving with the wind shifts, you know what I mean? Like Sahara, you've got the westerlies, you know, and the wind's moving the sands. It would be really difficult to measure that. How deep was Antarctica again? 
Roughly 2.1 kilometres. Cool. Qualifications, Alan? That, sorry, that's the mean average yeah, I understand. Uh, for Antarctica. Um, I'm a, a degree in geology and I'm a PhD student in environmental science and I specialise in uh, glacial environments. I, I can't give you a Ray Liotta. <laughs> much as I would like to, because you specialise in glacial environments and you don't specialise in... It sounds a bit pathetic, but I think I needed someone who specialises in sandy deserts. Well, my, my degree's in paleoclimatology, so I studied... Yeah, but that's just that's an undergraduate degree. No, I'm a PhD. So you're doing a PhD in paleoclimatology? Yep. Oh, go on then. I'm Ray Liotta, and you're listening to James <laughs> O'Brien on LBC. Thanks, James. They will come. Good work, Alan. And get around. Applause for your money as well. What a clever lad. I can listen to clever people all day. It's a very unfashionable position. 12.53 is the time. Ian is in Gatwick. Ian, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on. Uh, so it's about the overflow on the on the basins and, and, and baths and things like that. All right. Um, it's, a, it's a misconception that it's actually an overflow. All it's there to do is remove displacement of water. You fill a basin, you put your hands into it, the water level rises. Yeah. All that hole will do is take away that excess water when it rises. It's not there to deal with taps over, you know, keeping running and overflowing. I don't think you've made my question wrong, my answer wrong. Messes- well, it is. But no, it isn't, because he asked why isn't it more efficient... And the answer you've provided is is the same, but different. Well, it's, it's a misconception that it's not efficient. Well, precisely, but Bob wanted to know about his what he considered to be an overflow function, so working on the original premise that it does have an overflow function, I provided a perfect answer. You have now changed the premise of the question and provided an equally perfect answer. I think you were wrong for accepting the premise of the question. But I was unaware that the premise of the question was wrong until I heard from you. So now that the facts have changed, sir, I changed my mind. It's a half a clap. You can have a whole one, but I'm keeping mine. <laughs> Makes sense as well. Uh, Andrew's in Reading. Andrew, question or answer? Uh, answer, James. The gravy question. Carry on. So you need water to be hot in order to get the, crystal, the actual gravy granules to dissolve, but it needs to be boiling because you've got starch in the gravy that then thickens on boiling water because it blows the starch open. And that will then thicken the gravy. So not, 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 nothing to do with fat. All, no. to, all to do no, with starch. starch. All to do with starch and using boiling hot water to break open starch molecules in your gravy. So if you it's don't use boiling hot water, thing. you'll end up with very thin gruel. Yes. Uh, and you need the water to be warm to actually dissolve the granules in the first place. So you'll still end up with gravy, but it won't be thick unless you use boiling water because that's what breaks open the starch granules that provide the thickening. All you dirty people using gravy granules. I make mine from scratch with stock, mate. I'm not faffing about with granules. If, if I've got time, I do the same. Of course. Um, <laughs> Qualifications, <laughs> Andrew? You thicken it, though. No, you you're right, you can't. You, you do. Well, that'd be cornflour, wouldn't it, usually? Or, or flour, even. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flour. yeah. yeah. So uh, if you're going to do it properly, you need to make a roux and you, then do it from there. You do? He's right. Yeah. What are your qualifications? I've a tea room on a canal barge in Reading. Do you really? You, mm-hmm. you, you sell a lot of gravy? No, but I do um, evening dinners and evening functions for people that book us for private parties. What is the um, name I of the... Did co- a, I did a hotel and catering management. Oh, mate, you're over the line. Do you want to give the, the, the business a... Whittington's, little... as in Dick Whittington. Whittington's Tea Barge in Reading. Well, there's no link between Dick Whittington and Reading. 
No, but I'm I'm related to Dick Whittington. My grandfather was the last eldest son descendant of the older brother of Dick Whittington, so we used the family name. Have you ever been to the Whittington Inn just outside Kidderminster? No. That's supposed to... So the family are from there. I was about to say, mate, this is your Kidderminster royalty if you're related to Dick Whittington. This is quite a moment for me. We, we have had this conversation before, a couple of years ago, when I rang in for an answer on something as well. Uh, and well, how did Dick Whittington come into it? Well, because uh, I can't remember because I, you allowed me to, to to mention Whittington's tea bars when I, when I last spoke to you. You're making it sound uh, as if this program is some form of wireless Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But that's why we're called Whittington. Did you did you I'm detect? Did, did, I'm so generous. I've been giving out free adverts for years. It would appear. Did you detect a huge upsurge in business after you plugged Whittington's the uh, the, the canal-based tea room in Reading? Uh, no. Round of applause for Andrew. <laughs> Bless you, mate. Gary is in Sutton. Gary, question or answer? It's the answer, James. Carry on, Gary. Uh, it's for the freezer door. So when you open the freezer door, the cold air quickly comes out, replaced by warm air. You close the door. That creates the air um, to condense very quickly, basically creating a vacuum until it pressurises. <laughs> so the door is like <laughs> stuck to yeah. the yeah. qualifications? Uh, started refrigeration engineering about 20 years ago. Yeah, a round of applause for Gary. Great work. It's a good week, this. Uh, Dwight is in Streatham. Don't let me down, Dwight. Question or answer? Answer. Come on, Dwight. It's uh, the Downing Street question. What, what's the door in between 10 and 11? So it's just part of number 10. It's just uh, an extra door. So imagine there used to be flat, uh, housing, and they've just made uh, one bigger. So they've joined two together. Qualifications? Uh, my girlfriend's mum is a cleaner in the... Right, that'll do. Right, well played, mate. I mean, you have to share that with your girlfriend and her mum. Pardon? That round of applause, you have to share it with your girlfriend and her mum. Oh, yeah, 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 she'll be well chuffed. Yeah, nice one. What's her name? Amy. Well done, Amy. Cheers. Hang in there, Dwight. 12.58 is the time. Squeezing one more answer. Alan is in Chesterfield. Question or answer? Answer, mate. Carry on. Uh, Dole. Uh, it's derived from dealing out. It's a German word. And it means to share. Really? But it's got nothing to do with the Department of Labour. Doling something out. What? No, doling no, it out. It's, doling it's, it out. You dole someone out. You're doling it out. Uh, sharing it out. He's right. I think. Question or answer? Answer. I mean qualifications. God, oh, crikey, that hasn't happened before. <laughs> Qualification. I play a lot of Scrabble and I got challenged by somebody who said it was an acronym for the Department of Labour. Uh, oh, exchange, you've no uh, idea how much my younger you colleagues are enjoying this. The sight and sound of me being <laughs> comprehensively owned, as I believe the kids say. I got I got challenged, so I, I, I'd, I'd said, I, I, took, I didn't know if they were right or wrong. I just took it. We ended up looking it up. This is about five, six years ago when I were right. It's a word. Brilliant. <laughs> Round of for Alan. Thank you. Oh, brilliant. Well done. And you, you could have defended yourself by using it as a verb instead of a noun as well, couldn't you? But I know that Scrabble can get pretty heated. That's it from me for another day. We shall do it all again tomorrow morning from 10. The next voice you'll hear on LBC belongs to Sheila Fogarty. Thank you, James. If you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.